Mercy Me is coming to Pittsburgh. The Together Again tour with Mercy Me, Crowder, and special guest Andrew Ripp. Thursday, October 5th. Bring your family and friends to the PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh for Mercy Me, Crowder, and Andrew Ripp live in concert. Three multiple award-winning artists on one stage for one night. Let your spirit soar, your heart sing, and your faith ignite. Mark your calendars for Thursday, October 5th. Get your tickets now at mercyme.org. As a blind person, knowing, you know, what it's like to not see what's ahead, I think so much about, so what is it like for God to be my guide and the one that I ultimately trust? We all kind of face some level of darkness because we look for hope in a world that can't really offer us unchanging hope. And welcome to the Christy Wright Show, where faith meets personal development so you can have a bigger faith and a better life. I'm so excited because today we are talking about something that will really give hope to so many of you. We're talking about the things you need to know and remember when you're going through a dark time. None of us like seasons of difficulty or darkness, but this hopefully will encourage you and give you hope and strength to get through it. And then I get to sit down with the amazing Jenny Owens. She's a singer, songwriter, and now she's an author. And she has an incredible testimony of finding light in the darkness. And for her, it's quite literal. You'll want to see what we're talking about. But first, let's talk about the thing you need to remember when you're going through a dark time. I want to give you an example of when I was going through a dark time. Now, I can look back on my life and see several specific seasons that were just incredibly difficult. Most of them lasted between four and six months, and when I look back in hindsight, but when you're in them, (laughs) they feel like they are lasting forever. And these seasons are one of those times where you feel like maybe God has forgotten you. Have you ever felt like that? Like when you're going through a tough time, it feels like God is distant, He is silent. He is asleep at the wheel. He's maybe busy doing other things that to him are more important and he's forgotten about you. He doesn't know what you're going through. Somehow this earth has just worked against you and he doesn't even realize what's going wrong. Have you ever felt like that? Every season of darkness or wilderness season I've ever been through, that's exactly how I feel. And it's one of those things where when you're in it, y'all, the hits just keep on coming, don't they? It's like one bad thing goes wrong and it's a domino effect of so many other things going wrong. Maybe in a season of darkness for you or difficulty, you're passed over for a promotion that you absolutely deserve and have worked for and were even positioned for and you're passed over. Or maybe worse, you lose your job. You lose your stable income. And then just when you are struggling with the reality that you've been passed over for a promotion or you've lost your job or your business is struggling, well, then the transmission goes out on your car. And then you have a fight with the family member that you love. And then, and then, and then, and then, and the hits just keep on coming. I remember going through one of these seasons 
in 2007 specifically, and I felt God asking me to be obedient in a particular area of my life. This was before the season, by the way. This was just, I was going through life, things were normal, happy, fine, and I felt God asking me to obey in one particular thing. And it was a hard thing, but I did it. And y'all, when I followed through in obedience, I was expecting a parade in my honor. I was expecting God to send his angels to congratulate me on how obedient I was and following through on this difficult task and just a, a round of applause for me. That's what I was expecting. And I followed through and I took those steps of faith and I was obedient. And that was the beginning of one of the darkest seasons of my life at that time. It felt like I was being pulled down in the pit. It felt like I was being punished for obeying. And I thought, did I hear you wrong? And I know I didn't. I know that God was asking me to do that thing. And it sent me into this season of wilderness. But that wasn't the only season. It wasn't the first. It certainly hasn't been the last. There was another season in particular that is more recent. This was several years ago. And it was one of those times when I just felt regularly humiliated in different arenas, in different settings, in different circumstances. I was being humiliated again and again. I was being wronged. I was being misunderstood. And y'all, I, I genuinely would search my heart. What, what have I done wrong, God? H have I angered you? Uh, did I do something wrong to make you mad at me that all these things are happening, that all these wrongs are happening, these injustices, these misunderstandings? But I got no answer. And the hits just kept on coming. I remember feeling so low and wondering where God was in this season. It was as Oswald Chambers talks about, the valley of humiliation. That's what it felt like at that time. And it was very real. And it went on for months. Maybe some of you are right there right now. And you have been crying out to God going, where are you? Where are you? Well, towards the middle or end of that season, I can't remember exactly when it happened. It was all a terrible blur that I'd like to not remember, actually. But somewhere near the middle or end, there was one specific moment. Now, you got to understand that in this season, I am beyond defeated. I'm exhausted. I'm defeated. I feel like I have no energy left. I have very little faith left. I'm clinging to what I have of, God, I know you're good, but this doesn't feel good. God, I know you love me, but it doesn't feel like it right now because my circumstances suck. That's where I was, okay, going into this particular day. And I had to speak at an event in town. And I went up to this event. And I was, you know, when you're speaking, like, you got you to gotta put your game face on. And so I was ready, and I went up. And y'all, for no reason at all, the person that introduced me at this event absolutely humiliated me, made a really hateful comment as they introduced me on stage. And I was mortified, mortified. Like, I felt my face. Have you ever felt that? Where you feel the heat rising in your face? You can tell your face is visibly getting redder because you are so humiliated. And all eyes were on me. And I'm standing in this moment thinking, what do I do? All eyes were on me looking how I was gonna respond. And everything in me wanted to fight. Shock, no, not a shock to any of you. I'm an Enneagram mate, but I'm like, oh, game one. But honestly, I didn't have it in me. I didn't have any fight left in me. I was so defeated. I was so discouraged. And I remember walking up to the microphone and I, I lifted my chin just a little higher. I put my shoulders back and I forced a smile and I held back the tears and I paid a compliment to the person who had just humiliated me and I went on with my talk. 
And I got through it by the grace of God. But when I got back to my car, I lost it. I just started bawling my eyes out. And I just remember crying out to God. And the thing that I said over and over and over again is, do you even see me? Do you even see me, God? Do you even see what I'm going through? Do you even see what people are doing to me? Do you even see me? And I just cried and cried and cried. Tears of exhaustion, tears of humiliation, tears of defeat. After I let myself have that moment in the car, pulled myself together, drove back to work, had to go about my day like a normal person, wiped the mascara out from under my eyes, and I went about my day to my meetings. But very soon after I got to the office, I remember walking across the, the fourth floor. This was at our old building, and this a coworker of mine saw me from across the floor, and she, she waved and almost like kind of flagging me down, waved at me. And we were, we were friends, acquaintance friends, and you know, I didn't see her that often, but I could tell that she was, she was wanting to get my attention and she started to come towards me pretty, pretty intentionally, like she wanted to talk to me. She came up to me and she said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that God sees you. He sees you. She had no idea what she was saying at that moment, but I did. I did. I just want you to know that if you're in a season right now of darkness or difficulty, if you are in one of those wilderness seasons where the hits just keep on coming and you feel like you have no energy left, maybe even very little faith left, I just wanna say to you those words of truth that that woman said to me that day because they are true for you, they are true today, and they are true right now. God sees you. He sees you. He sees how hard you work. He sees the tears you cry. He cares about every hair on your head. He sees you. He knows what you worry about before you even worry about it. He sees what you pray for and knows what you pray for before you even pray for it. He sees you. And more than that, he is with you in it. Not up there, not in the clouds, not past the stars, right here, right beside you with his arms around you, even if you can't feel it. He sees you and he is with you. I wanna read you some words from scripture to remind you of this truth. This is not my idea. This is God's idea. I wanna give you two examples. One is from the Old Testament. This is Psalm 139. 139.1, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. And then when you jump down to verse seven, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. For the night will shine like day, for darkness is as light 
to you. I want to give you another example from the New Testament that echoes those words so similarly. This is in Romans chapter 8. It says, Who then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from God Himself. He sees you and He is with you. I don't know where you are today, but I want you to remember this truth. Wherever you are, God sees you and He is with you. All right, y'all, I'm so excited to sit down with my new friend, Jenny Owens, author of the book, Singing in the Dark. And Jenny, you have such a cool story, but this book is the newest thing that you have worked on and it's out now. Tell us a little bit about your story and what you do. Yes, well, my story. Well, let's see. Okay, how long do we have? Where, where do we start? <laughs> I don't know. So I um, was born and raised in the South in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, fell in love with music as, well, I don't know, probably before I was born, but started playing uh, the piano about the time I was learning to talk, so about two Two years old and loved singing, loved singing all the songs I was learning in church and at preschool. And then about the same time, I also lost my eyesight. So when I was three, I, um, I was born with a degenerative eye condition um, that left me with just, just a little bit of sight, but enough to learn my colors and all that. But when I was three, I had a surgery that took uh, the remaining sight I had away. So, mm. um, But my parents were great about just saying, you know, go go do what you've always done. Go play. And so I went and climbed trees and rode my bike and lived life and um, just, you know, kind of have adopted that attitude throughout life to just kind of go and, and do whatever. So um, ended up in Nashville. Uh, for college at Belmont University and uh, started making music uh, right after that for a living. I actually was looking for a job as a music teacher and was probably the only person in town that actually got a record deal, even though I wanted a, a teaching um, yeah. job. So um, it was kind of a, a strange thing, but I have had so much fun just getting to travel and share my heart with people. And about three years ago, I moved to New York City, but I've continued to do music and now written a book. So it's, that's, it's, yeah. it's so cool how I'm sure many people know you more from the singer-songwriter side of things. And now you're an author and your book uh, is titled Singing in the Dark, Finding Hope in the Songs of Scripture. And what's so beautiful about this and the the overarching themes is this that God is our light and how yes. how he can speak into even the darkest places. And just as you said, being blind from a little girl, like darkness is very literal for you. So what was that like to write this story from this theme that for you is so literal, but also speaking to the average person that might be in a season of darkness or feeling like they're going through some type of darkness? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? In our world, we all kind of face some level of darkness because we look for hope in a world that can't really offer us unchanging hope. And so um, I, I think so much about how, uh, you know, even um, 
no matter what what's happening, whether it's a, an extreme you know case of we're suffering a lot, maybe we have some kind of chronic illness or you know physical challenge like what I have, or, mm-hmm. or maybe we've suffered a loss, or maybe it's just the fact that you know we can't sit with God the way you and I are sitting here yeah. talking. So there's a lack of clarity always in life, and so um, as a as a blind person knowing you know what it's like to not see what's ahead, literally, yeah. literally um, I think so much about so what is it like for God to be my guide and the one that I ultimately Mm -hmm. trust in no matter what. And so how can I also then talk to other people about that? So in the book, we try to really just drill down on like, what does it mean to really trust God to be our light, Um, you know, and to really be the source of our hope in a world that just can't give us that same hope. Yeah. And it's amazing too, because I feel like that your perspective, Jenny, is so contagious, whether it's through your songs or through your writing, like this hope and this light radiates through you. And I know there are people that are watching right now or maybe listening right now, and they might be feeling like, I don't know, the darkness is, it's not just that the darkness is so heavy or so big, but they just feel discouraged at Mm -hmm. the fact that their life has not turned out like they thought it would. Their life has not turned out how they hoped it would. Maybe they are, um, you know, they've got a teenager that's really struggling and, you know, struggling in school, into drugs, something really heartbreaking as a parent. Maybe it's someone that's, you know, recently gone through a divorce. For someone that is in that spot and they're going, my life is not turning out like I thought it would. Yeah. What encouragement do you have for them? Because I know that you have walked this out mm-hmm. even in different seasons that you talk about through your stories. But for someone that is maybe there right now going, I didn't plan on this. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see it turning out like this. Yes. Oh, that's such a good question. You know, I think that the two things that come to mind are, um, and, and things I think we, we have to write on our hearts. So we got to put them somewhere we, where we can see them, where mm-hmm. we can remember them. One is God is longing uh, to walk through our darkness with mm. us, like he he wants, he's pursuing us. He's he's knocking on our door, even in the midst of our darkness. He wants to walk that out with us. But also, when we think about knowing, um, knowing, having faith, and knowing Jesus, we we trust that. Not only does God want to walk through our darkness with us, but but He went through the ultimate darkness mm-hmm. for us. I remember. Um, as a kid going through lots of bullying in middle school, as many kids do. Mm-hmm. But I remember just this this really dreadful day of just like atrocious mean girls. And yeah. they just like, they were just doing mean things all day. And I remember coming home from school and just, you know, having being so sad and sure. just over it. And my mom said, you know, Jenny, you always know that Jesus is your best friend, but there are gonna be some days when it feels like he's your only friend mm. and you can trust him because you gotta remember, he's been through the worst darkness mm. for you. Mm. And so because we know that, because that is so true mm-hmm. in, in the Christian hope, we can just trust Him because, yeah, he's He has been through the ultimate pain. Mm-hmm. So anything that we tell Him, He's going to understand. Yeah. So I think it's it's kind of that idea of knowing that He longs to walk with us through the darkness and then knowing that we can go to Him and tell Him everything. And it kind of as we open up that dialogue with Him, I think it begins to change kind of His light and His power in our lives. You know, it kind of allows— allows us to start listening to him, to kind of start refocusing our minds, and then for him to come in and and do great stuff. Yeah. You know, even as you talked about that, I love that visual of God walking 
through the darkness with us. And I know a lot of times when I've gone through really difficult seasons in my life or seasons that feel dark, seasons of unknown, seasons of heartbreak, mm-hmm. um, disappointment, whatever that is. And, and even like some some really, you know, moments that were, I, I think back to even um, in my childhood, moments that were traumatic. Right. I remember a mentor of mine um, that has been a great friend of mine for years. I was talking to her at, at one point about one of these moments. It may have been the moment when I was a child specifically that was traumatic or something else. And she said to me, so similar to what you're saying, Jenny, she said, when you picture that scene of what happened, yeah. where do you see God? Yeah. And in those moments, I always think he's so far away. Know. You know, I think yeah. he's in the clouds. He's forgotten me. He's busy. He's curing cancer. He doesn't know that that's happening. And she's going, he was right there. Yeah. And that sometimes painful yes. to think about, that God could be right beside you right. in your heartbreak, right beside you in your darkness. But in a way, it's also comforting Absolutely. that you're not alone yes. in that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is—I had actually a similar situation just, um, you know, as a person who can't see, I get (laughs) really—I get really frustrated because I, you know, am very independent, Mm -hmm. and I want people to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. And I remember just saying to a friend, you know, I— I get so tired of people feeling like I'm somebody that is their, you know, project, their mm. pet project. I want to be their friend, yeah. you know, and I, I kept, keep trying to prove myself. I, you know, have, you know, had my own business. I'm an artist. Yeah. I've done all these things. And yet, you know, they still don't take me seriously. And and I, and I she said the same thing to me. She said, you know, when you stop and think about that situation, see yourself in it, you know, where do you see God? Do you mm. see Him as being part of that with you? And, you know, one of the stories I come back to a lot um, is a story that we find in John about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And like, even as Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He's still crying yeah. with Mary because it's because death's not good, darkness is not good. He doesn't like it either. Right. And so when we when we know that he is, you know, maybe he's not immediately healing our our darkness or our difficult time, but he is always there in the middle of it with us, yeah. fully fully aware of what it is. And as of course as we know, like Romans eight tells us that it will work. For good, yeah. all of these things that we go through, there will be, um, there is purpose to them, and there will be a day when we know, when we understand yeah. what that is, and that is so just hopeful to think about. Yeah, I love that example of Mary and Martha because even as we're talking about these difficult times or heartbreak or or darkness, what I love is just the honesty of Mary that says, "If you had been there, right. if you had been there, this wouldn't." Have She's yeah. so unfiltered in the way that she approaches Jesus of such an intimacy, such a trust, such a safety to share her real feelings in that darkness. And I love that reminder too, because so often I feel like that we have to be the good Christian, pray the right prayers. Right. Um, if we were a good Christian, we wouldn't be sad or scared. We would just fully <laughs> trust and because we're the good church Christian. Right. And it's like, oh, even in Scripture, you see examples of of David crying out, of, yes. Mary, of, of all of the people that knew Jesus, Mary crying out, the disciples, and the honesty in that, oh, the transparency true. and vulnerability that we can bring that to Him. Oh, yeah, because if we don't, then we don't really know that we need Him or, mm. or that we can trust Him. I mean, it's it's— 
I think it's the crying that builds character. It's Mm. the crying to him and expecting that he could change things. Like I love to say that lament, which is something we don't we don't really know how to do because we don't like to sit with our sorrow. But lament is like sorrow with hope at the center. Mm. You know, it's like the idea of just we pour it out to him, and yet we do that knowing that he's working, even if we can't see it. Yes, knowing that he will he will come to us. He will come to our aid. He will fill us. I mean, we hear David and the prophets and so many folks in the Bible do that. They pour out to God all the pain that they have. So it's not like they're being polite. I always tell people, don't pray polite prayers. Yes. You know, of course we want to be respectful to God, but we have to pray honestly. If we pray politely, if we're just like, yeah, God, this, you know, it's like how we do in the South. You know, right. How are you? I'm right. great. How right. are you? No way, because God already knows everything anyway. And so we pour it out. We pour out the recesses of our hearts. That's... um One of my favorite stories is of Hannah, and Hannah in the Old Testament is longing for a child, and before she has one, um, she goes in to pray to God, and we always think of those who have heard the story of Hannah, you think of her as, oh, she's the lady that asked for a child, and God gave her one, but there's so much more to the story because we see that she learns how to pray true, honest prayers to God, and she goes, and she she tells us that she pours out all the bitterness and the Mm. anger and the grief in her heart and the sorrow in her heart to God. And that's that's what he calls us to do. And then, though, just like David and those guys, we do it expecting um, that he's going to be with us in the midst of it and that good is going to come from it. And then what I love is like how David, and even we see Hannah do this, but David does this a whole lot of places where he speaks to his own soul. And he yes. says, why are you so sad, my soul? Yes. Put put your hope in God, for I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. It's like he's saying, okay, I'm going to keep speaking what my heart, you know, what my mind kind of knows is true, but my heart is going to finally catch up and embrace it and celebrate it. Yes, so. reminding yourself of that. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes we do. We just, we need to talk to our soul like yes. David did. You said something a second ago, Jenny, that I want to go back to because I thought it was so beautiful. Um, and correct me if I don't say this right. Right. Lament is sorrow with hope at the center. Yeah. That is so good. I love that. I think that so many people, and I feel this, tend to, whether we mean to or not, think of hope and hurt as mutually exclusive. Like if I'm hurting, well, then I'm just not being hopeful enough. I'm not trusting God enough. But if I'm hoping, it's like completely pretending those feelings don't exist. I'm not hurt. I don't care. It shouldn't have bothered me. Talk a little bit, what does it look like to hold both of these? The way that you just said it was so much more beautiful of sorrow with hope at the center. But what is this lament? What does that look like to hold both of these hurt and hope at the same time? Well, I think that is what we we definitely learn from from guys like David and Isaiah and Jeremiah, because they're crying out to God. They're telling him everything that's wrong. Um, and and that's, you know, we get to do that same thing. We get to tell him our deepest sorrow. I mean, I think, you know, for me, as a person who can't see, that I don't really ever think about the fact that I can't see, because that's mm-hmm. sort of been something that I've lived with my whole life, right? right? But I do get so frustrated by the fact that other people can't get past it, you know? So, yes. Um, or even just something like, as a as a single person, I you know sometimes I'm like Lord, why do why do I have to be single? Mm-hmm. But to not talk to the to God about those things means that we really are putting a wall between Him and us. Mm-hmm. So to go to Him and hold that sorrow before Him and place it in His hands, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of feel like that is maybe maybe a sort of visual example would be taking those sorrows and actually placing them in His hands, mm-hmm. which are of course hands of hope. 
you know, we we take the pain that we have and we just keep giving it to mm-hmm. him. And we keep dialoguing with him. Mm-hmm. And what I found is the more I keep talking to him about it, the more I dialogue with him about it, uh, the more he changes my heart. Mm-hmm. So he might not even change my my circumstances. One of my favorite um quotes is from Elizabeth Elliot that says, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Mm, so, so true. So good. Yes. We could sit with that forever. I mean, just that one powerful statement of that reminder yes. that he can change everything and not change anything about your circumstances, exactly. but just being being in you. Just being with you, yeah. It's like the bigger our view gets of him, the more that we can kind of navigate those circumstances with yeah. hope, I think. I love how even that visual of placing your sorrow in his hands, and his hands are hands of hope, because I think that so many um, people, and I work with a lot of women, Jenny, you know, women through Business Boutique or women through the Christy Wright Show and that type of thing, but there are a lot of women that are scared to hope. Oh, sure. Um, And I don't know that they would say it in those words, but I see it. It's like, and even as grown adults, we think, well— I don't want to get my hopes up, or I'll believe it when I see it. We think we're just being a mature grown-up under the banner of just being a practical grown-up. And and what we're doing is we're—I love that you give such great visuals of, like, this wall between us and God. Like, that we have these desires and these hopes or hurts and sorrows, but if we're not willing to bring them to Him, to, yeah. to Jesus, to the feet of the throne, then we're putting this wall up and also— those things were not honoring them, whether right. it's the hurt or the hopes. Right. And um, and I, God has taught me so much about about hope in the last few years of bringing my hopes to Him. Yes. To your point, whether He fulfills my prayers in the way I want Him to or not, but to trust Him with them. Like God, I yes. want this. God, I desire this. Or God, this hurts. Even if He doesn't change the circumstance, to know that there is something powerful happening yes. when we take our hopes, our hurts. Yeah. And bring them to him. And so I just love that visual that you gave us of the the wall. We don't we don't want that wall. We don't want anything. Uh, no. Between. And, and we want power. Like you're yes. saying, we don't want the wall and we want more. We want his power, his victory to be unleashed in our lives. And he wants that too. Yeah. And I do think, you know, in our world where people kind of say, Well, you know, God, it's impractical to believe in God. You mm-hmm. know, God is like your feet, it's it's in your feelings, like it's your personal private matter. But no way, God is so much bigger than yes. that, you know? And yeah. I think that's where we, we have to just say, the more we take all of those things to him, the bigger he can become mm. in our in our lives and, and everything that's that's going on with us. I love that. And I love he he so often for me when I take those things to him he breaks out of the boxes I put him in. Like, yes. I didn't even know I put him in a box, yes. and then he just busts out of that box. I'm like, okay, well, I'll put you in a little bit bigger box to see that you're bigger than I thought you were. And then yes. he just breaks out of that box, but it's through this bringing that to him that that happens. You know, yes. Jenny, you moved to New York. You mentioned this a minute ago. Yes. Okay, Jenny, I'm I'm scared to move to New York, <laughs> and I can see. Can you please tell me? Like, I want to talk a little bit about courage because you seem like such a courageous person. The New York is is one example, but talk a little bit about how does courage play into, especially in these seasons of darkness, because darkness by nature is scary. Darkness yeah. by nature is it's unknown. We can't see. We we don't know where we're going, and and it's un, uncertain. We feel insecure. All these things that kind of are wrapped into this word of darkness, and whether it's a season of darkness or, in your case, literal darkness, how do you find courage, choose courage, be courageous when when you're going through some type of darkness, whether it's New York City or something, it's something else where you're trying to navigate 
and be brave when you don't feel brave. You really just feel scared. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, part of it is you just you act brave. Yeah. <laughs> you got to you you act it. what you want to be. I think for me, it's it's taking it one step at a time. So I can be courageous as long as I just do the next thing mm-hmm. that is in front of me. And then also there's a lot of prayer. I mean, I really am about praying even the simplest prayers because I, I think the more I've prayed over my over the course of my life, the more childlike I've become about it. So yes. like— you know, if I'm trying to find something new, I'm like, okay, Lord, help me to cross the street without dying. Or yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever, totally. like, help me to find this building that I'm looking You know, help me to find the, the right entrance to the grocery store, you right, know. And right. um, and it's funny, so often, you know, he'll send some random person. New Yorkers love to, you know, they love to know stuff. And yeah, <laughs> let me show you how yeah, I know it all. <laughs> exactly. And I love that. So I get to have some great chats in the in the, along the streets of New York. But, yeah. but yeah, there are times when I'm just, you know, when it is hard and I just, I, I want to try always to invite God into that difficulty and just say, hey, will you help me? Or, okay, you see that I'm here. Thank you that you see it. And I know you're teaching me and I'm going to learn from this situation. Yeah. So just build my courage, build my strength. But yeah, it's a lot about just taking the very next step and inviting Him into those next steps, I think. I love that. I love that reminder, even like we talked about when we started of Him being with us in the darkness. I don't know why this came to mind, Jenny. This is such a silly example, but I remember um, when I was little, my dad took me um, to Disney World and there was a couple of the rides that were scary. Not like roller coasters, but like, you know, they would go into like a dark building and then there's characters or whatever. And as a little girl, when I was, I don't know, six or seven or something, I was scared. But I remember thinking, I'm okay because my dad's with me. Like, I remember that that safety that like, it didn't matter what kind of crazy characters were popping out in this dark building or what. It wasn't like a haunted house. It was just as a child, it was a scary ride. And, um, but I remember thinking like, but I'm okay because I'm with him. I'm okay because I'm with him. And it's like, that just came to mind as you talked about this, of us remembering even in our dark seasons, even when we're scared, we are okay because our God is with us. Absolutely. Like he, we are never uh, apart from Him. He's always with us. And that I love that again, that visual and that reminder that you give us, Jenny. This is this has been so hopeful and hope filled um, for me, and I know for everyone watching. And people are probably wondering where can they get your new book, Singing in the Dark. Um, and also tell us about, remind us about the um, Project Faithful that you were a part of. Oh, I told yes. you just recently we had um, Trillia Newbell and uh, Rachel Lampa on the show. But remind us where they can get Singing in the Dark and um, and also just follow anything you're doing, hear your music, everything you're working on. Oh, yeah. Well, um, JennyOwens.com is my website where you can find links to all the things, and that's G-I-N-N-Y. Yes. And um, let's see, you can find the book anywhere that books uh, are sold. So that should be pretty easy to yeah. do. And then um, I'm on all the places uh, like Facebook is Jenny Owens Music and Instagram is Jenny Owens Official. So, um, but all those links are, of course, on the website. So, and yes, the Faithful Project was so, so much fun to just get to be a part of that with all of the, the other ladies who. Um, love Jesus, and we got to write a book together and write songs together. So, um, yes, you can find out about that on my website as well. Oh, it's just incredible. The music is unreal. And so for those of you guys that remember that episode of The Christy Wright Show with Trillia Newbell and Rachel Lampa, you can hear that album and hear Jenny on that album as well. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your gift of your words and your encouragement for all of us and just your courage um, to use your gifts for blessing us. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Christy. All right, y'all, now we are at the point in the show where I get to answer your questions from my fishbowl of questions, which I love because I don't know what's in there, which makes it super fun. All right, let's see what our first question is. 
Oh, how do I bring up my resignation at my job when I return from maternity leave? Mm. Well, the first word that comes to mind is just honestly. Now, I know that seems really basic, but you'd be amazed at how many times we are always trying to tiptoe around an issue or sugarcoat an issue or avoid an issue or drop hints or dance around it when the reality is most people appreciate honesty. Most people appreciate vulnerability. So I'm guessing you are resigning because you want to stay home or maybe you have a different opportunity. You didn't want to say that before maternity leave because you wanted to get paid through maternity leave. Or maybe you just decided. Maybe that's a possibility. You thought you were going to come back, but you decided not to. Either way, I think you're just honest about it. You go to your boss and you say, thank you so much for this opportunity. You go on and on of appreciation for what you've learned and how you've grown and how they have supported you. Definitely start with gratitude, and then just be honest, whatever that is for you. In this season of life, I've been able to reflect with being home with my baby, and I want to stay home. Or I've decided to take a different opportunity, or I feel God calling me in a different direction. You just say the facts honestly and with vulnerability. And when you do that, people will respect you for it. But by the way, if you're watching or listening right now and you're facing any issue, that applies to you too. When you're facing a difficult conversation, the best thing you can do is be grateful, be honest, and be vulnerable. And when you do that, I think whatever you're saying, it will come across a whole lot better. All right, what do we have? I procrastinate because I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed after I procrastinate. Help. (laughs) Well, first of all, I feel you. Here's what I would challenge you to do. I would challenge you to figure out why you're procrastinating. It's not just overwhelmed. There's things that you're avoiding because you either don't want to do them, they feel like they're going to take too much time. Uh, There's something about those tasks. It's not just that there's a lot of them and you're overwhelmed, but there's some of those mixed in there that you don't want to do. So I would encourage you to figure out what's the root cause that is keeping you from acting on some things and then fix it. I'll give you an example. This is so silly. When I put my kids to bed in the evenings and I get everybody down and all the baths and all the stuff and I head downstairs, I'm exhausted. Like, I can't explain. I'm, like, tired to my bones. And the last thing I want to do is clean up the kitchen, put the food away, and make lunches. So I don't have the energy. What I want to do is crash on the couch and just pretend a magic fairy would make all of those things disappear and fix themselves, but they don't. So my nature is to want to stay in bed and avoid it, but I can't. So I know what keeps me from doing what I need to do, and that's energy level. My energy level is low. Why? I've just read three books, snuggled in bed with my kids with dim lighting. Of course I'm tired. Even if I wasn't tired from life and from my busy day, when you snuggle in with your kids and you're reading Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see for the 400th millionth time? And they're snuggled in and you're snuggled in and you're talking quiet because you want them to settle down. You know what happens? You're settling right on down too. Your energy is dropping. So I have to do something to get my energy back up to face the mess that is the kitchen and the lunches that need to be made. So here's what I do. I go downstairs and I say, Alexa, play Black Eyed Peas. Or Alexa, play Justin Timberlake. Alexa, play fill in the blank. Some high energy music and it starts blaring this party music. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can do it. And then I start cleaning the dishes. So figure out, that's a small example, but figure out what is the barrier 
to you doing what you need to do. In that scenario, it's energy. And so I get my energy up by putting on good music, high energy music. I could also do a lap around the house, go do some high kicks, do some jumping jacks, do something to get my energy up in order to face what I need to face. Maybe for you, it's something else, but figure out what the barrier is to doing the thing you wanna do. It's not just overwhelm. There's something about it you don't wanna do or feel like you can't do. Fix that root cause and it'll help you do the things you wanna do and need to do. And then when you do that, you will be less overwhelmed. But I gotta tell you, it's a daily struggle and it's something we all have to work on. So continue to find what works for you. Great question. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining me as always. And you can tune in next week for another new episode of The Christy Wright Show. And for more encouragement on becoming the person you wanna be, you can visit christywright.com. Mercy Me is coming to Pittsburgh. The Together Again Tour with Mercy Me, Crowder, and special guest, Andrew Ripp. Thursday, October 5th. Bring your family and friends to the PPG Pain Serena in Pittsburgh for Mercy Me, Crowder, and Andrew Ripp live in concert. Three multiple award-winning artists on one stage for one night. Let your spirit soar, your heart sing, and your faith ignite. Mark your calendars for Thursday, October 5th. Get your tickets now at mercyme.org.